0: This is series two of Lazarus Theatre Company's podcast, Spotlight On, a chance to turn the spotlight on the people behind the scenes. We'll meet the performers, the creatives, the collaborators, as well as those who inspire and provoke our work. Welcome to Spotlight On. Hello, I'm Gavin Harrington Rajidra, producer of Lazarus Theatre Company.
1: And I'm Ricky Dukes, artistic director of Lazarus Theatre Company. Hello. Hello, Ricky. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What have you had to? Oh, well, you know me, I'm not one to complain, but um, I've been having some building work done in my house. I say my house, I don't own it, obviously. Um, But um, yes, so they've been, basically I've been in the same place for about 10 years. And then the two girls who were living here before me were here for about 10 years, and it never been decorated. Uh, And as you saw, it was pretty, um, let's say, um, retro. (laughs) and so um but not in a nice stylish ikea retro way just as in it just hasn't been decorated for 20 odd years so anyway the landlords finally decided they're going to do it but they want to do it all in one go so basically the last three or four weeks been everything i own is in a box and i've had to move from room to room and bit by both so i'm currently very high on paint fumes and uh, (laughs) if you hear any distant drilling that's not (laughs) that literally is distant drilling um it's not anything else untoward going on so yeah it's a bit of a building site at the moment but the the workers are really lovely they don't speak much english so that's mm-hmm. interesting when you say hello to them and then it gets some very weird you know so i just tend to do physical things now where i just wave at them and then they sort of wave at me and they smile and then they just carry on painting and uh, anyway, today, hopefully, today's the last day of the painting and then all the carpets are done next week. So we're getting forward. there bit by bit by bit. So if I if I seem a little bit crazier this week than normal, <laughs> that's the paint
0: fumes, that's what I'm going with. Right. Well, it sounds like you're not only getting your house done, you're learning communication skills as well.
1: Always, always <laughs> learning communication. The art of physicality. Yes.
0: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, Ricky, we're back with season two of Spotlight On bling bling bling. This week we talked to Lazarus alumni and actor Colette O'Rourke. Colette trained at Drama Studio London and Colette first worked with Lazarus in 2013 as Jessica in The Merchant of Venice at the Jack Studio Theatre. Then went on to play Cressida in Shakespeare's Troilus and Cressida and uh, Valeria in Shakespeare's Coriolanus which formed our, our World at War season at the Tristan Bates in 2014. She then played Henry V in Shakespeare's Henry V at the Union Theatre in 2015, and finally Grusha in Bertolt Brecht's Caucasian Chalk Circle at the Greenwich Theatre in 2017. Colette has also worked on TV shows such as Casualty and Doctors, and on stage around the UK, including a performance that The Guardian critic, Lynn Gardner said was terrific. She was terrific in the role of Agnes. Colette Thank you for joining us and welcome to Spotlight On.
2: Thank you. Wow, how it's was it? How was it being,
0: yeah. co- being called terrific?
2: Oh, yeah. By know, Lynn Gardner. Standard. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, that was nice. I mean, she literally just said terrific. I was like, could have been a slightly longer sentence, but I'll take terrific. I'll take that.
0: I mean, you, how how do you work that into your process now? You, you know, you are terrific. How do you <laughs> kind of do that every time?
2: It's just the constant mantra I am terrific. <laughs> I am terrific and then it just all goes from there you know
0: good good yeah. how are you Colette
2: I'm very good thank you yeah, yeah. what good. you been up to not a lot just uh, you know trying to um not have an existential crisis every day but um
0: sure yeah. that that's yeah. just that's just your general Standard. yeah yeah good yeah. Yeah. um is that, is that because, because of the last two years or? Yeah. yeah.
2: Very specifically. Of the last two years, yeah Right.
0: Right. But we're coming yeah. out of it, right? We're
2: coming, we're merging, but then that brings a whole set of, I'm, I'm starting to now have to really almost like think about my behavior a little bit or like what I do in terms of like social stuff and try and, I think I'm just too used to not doing things. If you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's mm. conscious efforts to kind of get back to, yeah, to what was before, I guess.
0: Last night yeah. I went to the cinema for the first time in probably three years. So I hadn't been for yeah. about a year before the pandemic, and it was very strange sitting sitting that close to to everyone. Whereas,
2: yeah,
0: th- theatre. I guess I I did have I've been to you know a you know, fair bit of theatre in the last few months, and that hasn't really seemed strange. I guess maybe that's, that's our true. world, right? That yeah. That, and and we were working on Salome for for quite a time, and and we're we're in a theatre with other people for that. Oh, yeah, so of course, that was more. Yeah
2: yeah i'm a bit more used to it i've not yeah. actually been to the theater yet have you not no i just think my brain is like just almost it's almost turned off a little bit mm-hmm. to that kind of thing um yeah i do need to go i should i should go there's some good I stuff on go. at the moment <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah no, i need to um i will
0: good good let's let's all get out there and do some yeah. more theater <laughs> yeah. watch some more theater um how so how did you you're an actor how did you begin as an actor where 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 is your what is your origin story
2: (laughs) it's it's a strange one really because I never I remember being very young and just wanting to be an actor which is strange when I think about it now because I have there's no reference point for that in terms of my family or any influence as to why that would be um not even remotely close to Anyone, anyone's jobs or experiences, and you know, we went to I went to theatre to see as a kid, you know, a pantomime, um, you know, maybe once a year, if that. And yeah, so I don't. I, it's it's really strange to think of. So it, it just felt like something that was, yeah, I don't know. I just I felt such a pull towards it for no <laughs> real reason, um, and then I think that just kind of gradually developed. I think I went and started going to like an after-school once a week when I was about 13, it was more of a performing arts kind of place. There was quite a lot of singing and dancing, which is not my forte. Um, So I'd kind of just do that just to kind of get to the acting bit. Um, But it was very, it wasn't, again, that was quite basic. It wasn't anything particularly, um, you know, swanky or professional. It was just a bunch of kids kind of. Um, you know, uh, messing about in a room. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And yeah, and then it it just became kind of clear in school that my focus was very much drama and English I like quite a lot. So that was quite a clear narrative that was happening. And then GCSE, I was actually the first year um, that um, they hadn't done GCSE drama before I did it. Um, But then it meant that there was about... I think there's about 40 of us but they only would give us one class so they wouldn't like split it over so, and the drama teacher I think was like I don't want anyone to miss out so there was about 40 of us in one lesson and it was just quite chaotic um
0: I could imagine how, yeah, how do you yeah I mean that's just that's just kind of crowd control yeah exactly
2: more than anything, isn't it? exactly yeah. and that I remember at the time then that was very much about like just that felt like kind of just showing off and I don't remember there being much structure to it. I remember more of I think more of structure in terms of like texts and stuff came through like English lessons, I think. Um and then and then I did A level. And then there was only about, I think, 10 of us um that did that. So that became much more of a focused um thing and where you it just in 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 st- uh, like straight away felt more um of a serious thing, I think, because it was A-level and because there was only 10 of you, it felt... Um, and I liked that. I liked that focus and I liked feeling like it was something proper. It wasn't just something that everyone wanted to do and everyone would pile in and mess about. Um, yeah, and then I went to university and did English and drama. I think I always wanted to go to drama school um, when I was 18, but I just didn't have the confidence and it just wasn't really something that... Um, it didn't feel particularly... Uh, accessible I guess it just felt like something very distant that other people did um so yes yeah, so I kind of I went I did that classic thing of dipping your toe in and thinking oh university and that's more appropriate route to go, route to go down and then yeah and then um went to drama school after did university yeah you, did
0: you did you find that a lot of your cohort went to university first and then went to drama school?
2: Well, my drama school's a little bit different because it was, when I went, there was a one-year course and a two-year course. Um, This is Drama Studio. Um, And they, so it wasn't like a BA, like a three-year university style structure. Um, So there there wasn't anyone, and I actually don't think they took on anyone under than 21, unless it was kind of, they were like, they're amazing or they're very mature or whatever. But there was a, a sense of, um, I think because, of, especially with the nature of being one year, there was that acknowledgement of this is quick and it's intense, and we need people to be um, a little bit more on it, I guess. Um, and have, maybe
0: have a foundation in in studying or yeah. or,
1: or yeah. yeah, okay, or
2: just that experience that a couple of years has brought you. And there was a range, and there was quite a range. There was quite a lot of people, I'd say, in their mid to late twenties as well in my drum school. Um, so yeah. Uh, but so yeah, there was people that were coming to it with a bit more of a, a wealth experience, I guess. Yeah, a few different
1: routes. You do get a sense, don't you, with some of these plays, particularly, let like you think about the big classics, that actually, I mean, this is going to sound incredibly patronising there, but there is something about that extra couple of years of experience, life experience, regardless of education or just just being a human being, there is something else you can just comprehend a bit more, can't you? Just you know, I'm working with some young actors at the moment, and the issue of grief. Is mm. starkly different depending on their age. Oh, um, yeah. You know, if you're working with under twenty ones, and then you're working with an adult group, you know, twenty one and over, which of course is a very expansive because you might have emerging artists, actors who are in their forties, fifties, something. But but grief means something entirely different. Mm. And so when you're kind of exploring some of these emotions or ranges, there's something. I mean, that may, maybe that sounds obvious to people listening, but but maybe, actually, it's yeah. quite stark, isn't it, when you notice it?
2: Definitely. But actually, even now, I think. I often think oh I actually almost wish I was going to drum school like now but, like rather than even at 21 um I think that but at 21 you you feel older and then you obviously get older and you're like wow mm-hmm. that was I was very young and actually very didn't know anything and there was a lot of kind of broad brushstrokes with the approach to everything and I do actually think in the past so um in the past like eight to 10 years or whatever, I think drama schools have changed a lot as well. Um, and yeah, so I think there was a lot of things, I think, you know, and as well at that age, I was still quite fresh out of another institution. I'd had a year in between going from uh, university to drama school, but um, I was still in that mindset, a little bit of the institution and these are your, you know, the hierarchy of that. And obviously where that is necessary in lots of ways, I think, you don't, there's a lot you don't challenge maybe or a lot you kind of and it's you know drum schools there's a lot of people that want something very badly in a kind of a very very new to it and will just kind of well there's just a lot of things where you're now you look and you just think they, they basically you know would say things like your whole life oh I didn't go to my mum's funeral I didn't go to my best friend's wedding and this and and I and now I'm very like I don't think that's true that you need to sacrifice every single little bit of your life in order to make this work or have um take what you want out of the experience or make a career out of it. Um yeah. Um, but no, it was it was a it was a very good time. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was very intensive. I enjoyed it um as it was. I just think looking back with a bit of perspective and age, um, you kind of see the flaws in it a little bit. Um yeah, yeah
0: and what so why did you choose drama studio London then
2: primarily because it was a year um just because I'd done three years of university and I didn't um the other three-year courses you wouldn't have got you know you couldn't um if you'd already done a degree you couldn't go through the you know the channel of um UCAS whatever it was called um but also I just didn't want to be I felt like I wanted a year and I wanted to be gone I wanted to be out um yeah there was that sense of oh god I've I've been taught about things for a long time I wanted to be doing um and then uh, but on again on reflection there's pros and cons to that I think you know um
0: it was in terms of uh your time commitments and 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 the workload Mm. between university and and drama school that was there a difference oh
2: yeah, yeah huge I mean I was Uh, university you could have combined I think in the last year of university had about five hours of contact time a week you could have condensed the whole course probably into a year um drama school was five days a week like half eight to half five um occasional weekends depending on what was happening evening work it was a a very intensive full-time um thing which I I enjoyed and got a lot out of um and enjoyed the structure of it, definitely. Um, And just the purpose of it, I think there's just something that changes in your head when you're at drama school. It's just very different to being like, oh, I'm at university, but I'm doing a few things with the drama society or whatever. That whole thing, that mentality of being at drama school is very, um, it's very powerful and it does definitely focus your brain Or, it. I, I think as well, just that thought of I'm at drama school. Like that's something that felt so, so unobtainable a few years prior, and then yeah, it's very, it is very exciting if that's you know, everyone there is very exciting, and I think that everyone knows everyone's doing it to become an actor, so that kind of like linear, um, yeah, it's yeah, it was great.
0: Do you think drama school was so unattainable, or felt so unattainable when you were younger because because of because no one in your family or your kind of peer group had gone, or
2: yeah, I think, yeah. I just and also, it's just not a sense the whole acting thing. I think there is that real. It's just not a sensible route to go down. It's not. It it's not going to give you financial stability, and it's not going to. Um, not that I was discouraged from it as such. I just think it for everyone. It was a little bit scary. I think at first. In the same, when I went to you know, I went to university just outside of London, and when I first went down, I remember I think my mum in particular was like, "Oh God, not London." Um, because that just seems so uh you know big and scary i guess um so yeah it can, it, london yeah.
0: can be big and scary yeah, but also yeah. there's lots of opportunities as well but also
2: it? my university was in Egham in surrey which is a tiny little town <laughs> so uh, <laughs> i mean
0: um but it's it's you know london adjacent right
2: yeah university of london is the uh you know
0: yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um i i guess the reason i ask about um you know that unattainable um the word "the unattainable" uh, that you just used mm. um, is that uh Lazarus, Ricky and I over the last, you know, few years have been talking about how how we can kind of how the industry can can help more people who feel like the arts isn't for them get into the arts, mm. um, and just wonder, you know, what is it about the arts being so unattainable, and how can we kind of bridge that gap? Um,
2: yeah I mean it's a funny one really because I guess if you haven't it's if you haven't had um, in your family anyone I think straight away that's always going to be a bit of a bridge to kind of um, get over Um, and yeah I think also just there's a a lot of attitudes in schools I think um, I remember going to you know, when you start to get a bit older, maybe 15, 16, and you go to careers things, it was just shut down straight away. The careers kind of portion of school was, it just, I remember having this in-depth conversation about wanting to go to drama school and she just handed me some, you know, she just gave me some printouts from some performing arts, like colleges. And I just was like, you've clearly not listened to a word I said, because that isn't, I, I don't dance, I don't any of that. So it was just, it, yeah, I think it's quite, Narrow-minded, um, and and when I look heart.
1: back, up, yeah, I was just gonna say when I think I look back at my career's advice, though, when I say about like acting and theater and stuff actually I think it said more about them than, than me actually that I just wasn't within their realm of thinking yeah so so I sort of thought I think actually you know I don't know about you but my careers advisor at school was one of the teachers who'd gone on a careers advice course yeah. and so you know no no disrespect to them it wasn't really a careers of you know what do you no. do well you do what your parents did or you do what the local jobs or you do mm. whatever's available right and yeah. so so I suppose in a way looking back there's actually as a careers advisor and it'd be really interesting to hear from people if this is different or, or similar but our careers advisor was the PE teacher mm. you know and 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 as I say no disrespect to him but it was just way out of his real ideas yeah. so he had no idea what you did yeah I always remember our dance teacher not really knowing what audition how to audition for dance school. no
2: not at all and, not at which all. sort of
1: surprised me and sort of shocked yeah. me in a way but you sort of go well that's other people's experiences as well isn't it so so it's just sort of maybe not just not within their culture either
2: of course totally and also just the attitude to the subjects I think is quite I remember being a teacher really trying to like um sway me not to do theatre studies um and I think they would just really look down on them quite a lot And I think that's just a massive oversight because I think there's so many things that you can learn in those lessons. And actually, I think there should be kind of mandatory lessons throughout secondary school, especially that are focused. They're not necessarily drama. It's not about necessarily doing plays, but there's so many things I think you gain from, you know, confidence and body language and how to use your voice or how to, all that stuff is so applicable to life and any job. Um, And they really kind of, gloss over that like it's not um the academic you know the numbers the, the other subjects more academic subjects are more important and I think that um yeah is very obstructive um I, I think, think you're totally right is. there's
1: um I, th- I think that the reason to do drama and study plays actually is this little thing called empathy
2: you know, and actually, yeah, exactly. just
1: just exploring how to explore your emotions. Mm. I mean, that sounds very soft and a bit wanky and a bit left leaning. But wow, when you're a teenager, you could do with some help. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, certainly could have exactly. done with some help with channeling some of that energy. Yeah, um,
2: it's, it's very true. It's it's a I think that's a ma- it's a massive gap still. I think in the um, education system. Um, I think yeah. there's
0: a there's a focus on getting you into a career that's going to sustain you for. A, you know a good career a career mm-hmm. that's gonna mm-hmm. gonna um give you lots of money and so i remember yeah. I, I was always told oh yeah you know you can do performance you can do drama or whatever but you know have a backup do, do yeah. you know study as a teacher or become a doctor or whatever mm-hmm. it is and then and then i literally was told you know become a teacher become a doctor and then you can yeah. do drama if that you know once you've got that set up it's like if I'm spending yes. you know 11 years of my life to become a doctor Truly. I'm not then going to give you know step yeah. back and, and doing performance Absolutely. but um I think yeah the the having something to fall back on mm-hmm. no no I just need to work w- very well at what I'm doing
2: yeah
1: and and yeah yeah
2: um, it's strange it, it's a strange attitude but it's still very I think it's still very uh yeah, it's there still, definitely.
1: Mm. Um, and there might be also an, a, a bit of truth in it, mightn't it, you know, it is a precarious industry. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's something really interesting what you were just saying there, Colette, about actually you don't all have to go and be actors. Uh, but actually yeah. the entertainment industry is massive. And so actually, I know people who trained as actors are now all sorts of things within the industry yeah. with a box office or technicians or, you know, not even on a creative side, as in, mm. you know, they don't all become choreographers or directors. People work in administration, management, chief execs, mm. produce, you know, work across the whole board, yeah. as well as all the soft skills that people need in other industries as, as they yes. go on to. But, um, but I also think, I, I don't know whether you've uh, come across this. I mean I'm also questioning it because there's a great piece um I'll have to put this in the notes on the podcast because I can't remember where it's from now but um this week there was a piece about hiring people in technical theatre and backstage jobs and and how actually some people have over the pandemic have 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 moved away from uh the industry and gone oh, actually it's better paid better conditions elsewhere so now I'm not going to come back to it, actually and people mm. find it really difficult to hire uh backstage folk because some people have left the industry and gone i don't know whether any of your your um year group or your Mm. your contemporaries of your your work have gone on to other interests and gone actually i'm out of this
2: i mean over the years yeah even pre-pandemic it's definitely been like a gradual um uh yeah people departing and it is largely because it's yeah it's obviously a very very difficult industry um and there's no kind of um, getting away from that. It is, and but I think also when t- saying about like backstage things, I've been reading a lot of things recently about like the film and TV industry and the the backstage equivalent um, of the crew and how the expectation of the hours that they have to work and this, but and we think about the theatre in terms of like the tech hours and how many hours it's just not conducive to having a family, to having any kind of balance. And I think there is. I think there needs to be a bit more of an examination between like I was saying about in um, uh, the Estes and drama school about, uh, Oh, don't, you can't go to your friend's wedding if you had a job and that, that the balance, I think, because it's like a passion, um, people get into it for real genuine passionate reasons. But then I think that is manipulated a little bit that if you don't do this, you don't want it enough and someone else will want it. Someone else will do it and someone else will sacrifice more. So then your, your back's kind of against the wall then in terms of what you're willing to sacrifice. And I know a lot of people in the industry that are massively burnt out or have compromised massively on relationships or where they live or whatever it is in lo- in lots of ways. Um, so I think they're definitely, ne- and maybe, maybe uh, oh God, well, hopefully post-pandemic, there might be more of a re-examination of that kind of thing, but then, you know, yeah, but then th- th- it's going to be interesting as well because it's how a theatre is going to, you know, they want to make money and they want to make a sure bets and it's going to be how is that, um, yeah, how are we going to implement the, the necessary changes um, and not just go back to how it was and just people... Well,
1: one thing that I've been keeping an ear to the ground, one thing that I thought was interesting, I think it's Theatre 503, don't do evening tech sessions. So, So they only tech during the day. Um, and I thought, well, I think that's kind of interesting how much, I suppose, if you think about texts that we do, they might be what the, you're getting on the Monday in the first preview might be the Wednesday, or the Thursday. So you're just going to go find somewhere for those two sessions, two or three text sessions to go, I suppose. And potentially that's an extra day. So then you sort of go, well, let's go back to a balance sheet then and go, well, what happens if you don't open that day and you open a day after? And so that's something certainly that we're looking at is well, what if you um, didn't open that day and you, were, you 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 missed a performance or you you added the performance on later on if that you know makes sense? Maybe there's something yeah. about a balance uh, there. Interestingly enough, we were one of the things that comes up quite a lot when we've chatted to to actors is about the money. And then actually, when we say, well, what if we went the whole hog and made a full-time acting company and you came to join us for a year or two mm. and you were put on salary and then actually an actor said just oh no I don't want to do like this all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know and and um and and so it's there's a real balance there isn't there if, if you want to, the freedom to be doing different jobs when you mm-hmm. when you can get them when you want them uh yeah. versus to being a full-time employee but um because I I constantly wish you know wistfully wish Oh, if we had a full-time company, if everyone was Mm. on the pay, you know, Mm. uh, there's so much more you could do. But actually, there's also a reality. Some actors go, I don't, I I also want the freedom to go and do some TV and stuff. I don't want to do Shakespeare and his contemporaries all the time.
2: Yeah, that is that's that is true. But I guess within that, you could find very, you could create very different pieces of work. I guess you could find ways to really examine like how how you can make them different. I guess maybe that would, yeah or as a friend
1: said to me the day of sabbatical people go actually i'll step out for six months or i'll go off for a year and then i'll come back if that's okay yeah and and being sort of flexible with that really and actually that only can bring strength to the company if someone's gone off and done some telly for a bit or gone off and done some contemporary work or something they bring those skills back don't they
2: i do just think yeah hopefully we're getting to a point where there's just kind of room for everyone and there's room for whatever everyone wants their career to be and there's no one way of doing it there's no one time of doing it um that's what I mean about think about how like drama school's changed or I assume it's changed a lot since when I came out I just I feel like there was such that it's going to happen in your 20s and all that's it and of course that is still applicable but I feel like hopefully we're moving towards just a, a bit more kind of nuance within that and it's yeah yeah and I think something like a pandemic is something that it's a leveler for where everyone examines where you're at um with that and then post that how that's going to change i guess
0: maybe it's also about expectations and and your goals you know Mm. it depends on you know is your goal to be a famous actor to be discovered and to make your way to hollywood or is your goal to be working in theater or to be working with in the arts or to, to be working on these plays that you want to be telling stories you want to be telling
2: yeah yes my goal is to be discovered by hollywood um if you're listening you hollywood words. yeah hollywood <laughs> call me I'm free
0: so colette you've you've you know you've been on a few uh, in a few productions with us. Wow. Uh, should we take yeah. a, a walk down memory lane?
2: <laughs> Let's. Yeah.
0: Um, so the first production you uh, worked with us was Merchant of Venice at the Jack Studio in 2013.
2: Mm.
0: Um, what do you remember about about that little big play?
2: Well, that was my first uh, professional job, and it right. was quite soon after I'd come out of drum school. So I do I, I, my memory of it was is slightly tinged in the terror of don't mess this up or, you know, just, I, I think in that moment, there's so many things whirling around your head in that process from and everything's so new, but you want to kind of make it look like, you know what you're doing. That's, it's quite intense. But I think what was good about Merchant of Venice is that I, my character was relatively, was relatively small and it, there was such a focus on the ensemble. So I think I didn't have to worry so much about my character. Um, I don't remember that being uh too much of a challenge also i think jessica in merchant business she's i don't want to say she's straightforward and make it sound too simple but i think her intentions are so clear um and her actions and she follows through with them and i remember that being it's like oh okay i know who she is i understand this very quickly um
0: she's a thief right that's that's what she is yeah, she's a she- thief
2: yeah and i <laughs> identified with that word. um <laughs> but yeah i I think it was an interesting one as well because remember we had that massive table. The set was basically a huge uh, Yes, I definitely remember table. the table, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was so unlike anything I think I would have ever thought of or expected to kind of be in a production like that. Mm.
0: Um, and you got was, to you got to rehearse on the table as well, didn't you?
2: I did, yeah. Yes, yes, I think we did. Like that
0: was in the rehearsal room. It had to be passed away f- every day. Yes,
2: I think it was a few stages to that. But yeah, there definitely was... Um,
0: and it wasn't yeah, just it a table that cool. you kind of stood on. I mean, it, it took up most of the space of. No, yeah, sorry. It, it's just it,
2: saying a table makes <laughs> sound like this, this little table, and it. it was yeah, it was effectively um, the whole the whole stage was this structure that could be used for various different things, and it was mm. um, used in the table sense. It was used as like a, a different kind of elevated bit where it would indicate maybe a different location or anything like that. Um, and there were
0: there were, there were kind of like school desk. Um, yes, there was. Claps in it, weren't there? Compartments, yes. that's a better word than left. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I I very vividly remember you re- having to, maybe not you specifically, yeah. but the company having to rehearse, reversing where everything went, because everything went into a, into a cubby and then came out and it had to be there for someone else to pick up. Yeah, and, it was a real Do you remember track. much of that?
2: Yeah, it was a real like track of, this is what I remember. I, I remember my focus, yeah, being more saying about how I wasn't as focused on the character as such. But I, yeah, I think I remember more of, right, I do this and then I do, because also if you didn't put that thing there, that affected everyone and mm-hmm. affected everything. And I think it, I, I feel like it was relatively, there's quite a few props, so there's quite a lot of business with that kind of thing. And yeah, I still got whenever I see, you know, those like um lamps with the green, they're always mm-hmm. in like men's studies, those yeah. green lamps. I think I had one of them like slow-mo into the onto the desk. Whenever <laughs> I whenever I see one of those lamps, I always think go into slow-mo. Yeah. yeah <laughs> trying to like slow-mo that down. <laughs> <within> <laughs> that lamp. Yeah.
0: I mean, had you done much slow-mo before Merchant of Venice?
2: No, and as well, I don't think my I wasn't particularly um. Like a physical performer, if that makes sense. I, like I was saying before about not dance, and I, I think I was a bit afraid of that kind of thing. I felt I did feel more comfortable in in more naturalistic performance, or that's um, why I've always enjoyed doing um, the film, TV, because I, I think that is a bit more of a natural sitting point for me um, to to be with to hold it a bit more and and to be smaller and uh more internal um and then going into something that was very physical and, and have a real command of your body physically and what you were doing and what that meant in a stylistic way was definitely we d- didn't do that in drama school because it was a year and it was quite a classical kind of um uh course and yeah that was uh that was an experience for me definitely um
0: bit of a baptism of fire really the yeah, first no, thing it out was, of it was. was
2: but i remember the cast as well being very i think i my memory is that it was a very good uh cast and everyone was quite um focused and yeah
0: i remember the cast being quite mixed in terms of some were really text heavy like that that was re- really where they enjoyed being and some were really physical physical actors and so as an ensemble you kind of help each other and support each other
2: yeah I think it definitely fits that I think as a cast that that definitely did um yeah it worked yeah
0: and then and then do you remember the animal masks
2: oh my god yeah I'd forgotten about that
0: so there's a carnival in, in well yes there's a carnival talked about in the play but Ricky <laughs> likes to bring things that are talked events that are talked about onto the stage so can you tell us a little bit about the carnival
2: I remember being on the table <laughs> with my mask on. Um, and Again, trying, I, remember that I had little, like, small little heels. Oh, yeah. Being in the mask and not being able to see much and trying to get off the table. Oh, yeah. Um, without damage. I remember that. <laughs> um,
0: Do you remember what animal you were?
2: No, I don't. No.
0: Uh,
1: I'd like to think, think you're the sheep. sheep. Yeah. yeah. I, think yeah I, I, think sheep. Were, I think you were the sheep. Oh,
2: God, that's all. Weren't you
1: the sheep? No, Tracy was the sheep. Tracy was the sheep.
2: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm going to find out I what you I talking. wish I did.
1: <laughs> Ricky's uh, going to have yeah, a look at it.
2: Yeah,
0: I want to I do want to stroll the archive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, right,
0: yeah. Um so, uh, and what what uh, what do you remember about the Jack Studio as, as a space as a because we rehearsed upstairs and yes. then and then we were we you know moved the show downstairs.
2: And I think wasn't the the floor plan was the same upstairs, was it? Or yeah, so the
0: yeah. The, the footprint of the room of the theatre yes. downstairs was identical to because it was directly above. Yeah, so that yeah. It's, it's a rarity in 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 fringe theatres, certainly in London, mm-hmm. to find a a rehearsal room attached to a, a theater space and then to have it being the yes. same footprint yeah so
2: then it was just mapped out from day one and I think that right. almost took out a bit of the just a portion of your brain that you didn't need to use as much which was helpful yeah and you um, got to
0: know the know the the building I guess and, and yeah. how it works and how you get into yeah. it and yeah exactly which can often be a little bit of a, a stressful moment on that first kind of doesn't it? yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But you've got the code, you can get in whenever you need to. Yeah, and, all that. Yeah. yeah, it
2: becomes like the little home, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, You're a cow. You're <laughs> a cow.
1: <laughs> <for it. laughs> of, course
2: was, of course, she was. Of course,
1: of course.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you hand those masks out purposefully? With the no, rush? I don't think As I can <laughs> I
1: don't think there was any dramaturgical yeah. reasoning. Um, I do remember us talking about pigs, though. Of course, with with um, the theme of the play, thinking about yes, uh, yeah. and, and so that was interesting. And, and how mm. you know, I, I sort of can't. Yes, I mean that's a whole other podcast, isn't it? Talking about um, how would you do that now? You of know, course, um, yes. with remembering this is twenty thirteen. Mm. It's a a while ago, but um, yes, no, there wasn't. And actually, I think if we were to do a production now, you'd really consider that way more. What are the animals represented in the play? But um, yeah, you're a cow,
2: yeah, yeah, great.
1: Were they not the animals that were talked
0: about variously throughout the play?
1: I think, I think, in a very sort of vague, um, animal carnival way type thing. I don't, I don't, I can't. I don't, it was a very long time. <laughs> eight years. I can't years, really remember years. what <laughs> I had for breakfast, oh, so I'm not sure is. about you. Know, mm. But um, no, I'm sure it's something that you you would do far more dramaturgical work on now. Mm.
0: And then, then um, a year later, Colette, you came on board for our world, the Our World at War season at the Tristan Bates, which was Troilus and Cressida and Coriolanus all in one evening, um, and in the same rehearsal time as well. So you did two massive productions in rehearsed in three weeks what do you remember about that
2: do you know what it's funny is because I, I almost forgot that we did two it we did it in the same night yeah that is absolutely insane i actually cannot believe that happened and in the same amount of time we rehearsed two plays
0: yeah
2: mm. yeah and i think i've actually weirdly i don't have much memory of rehearsing Coriolanus at all which obviously is very selfish for me because I was Cresta and Troilus and Cresta so um, <laughs> but I, your focus I was I, elsewhere I just think I remember being in the little um track suits. um but I yeah I really can't but also was Troilus and Cresta first on the night yes. so I yeah. think then I just probably was in a very strange mental state of being very aware that I've got to do this p- next play and contribute and relief that my portion is over and it went well or an intense analysis in my head of oh my god I just did that or that was awful or whatever or that person was in yeah that was that was a lot but it again that was quite um and I remember in rehearsals there was there was I think that like in say Merchant of Venice I remember that feeling a little like quite easy easy I mean easy is not the right word but in rehearsal compared to Rose and Cresta and Coriolanus, so I think that was, and I think the stress levels across the board were up because of what we'd undertaken. Um, yeah, and I found, I'm going to be honest, I found Cresta very hard. Um, I just, I found her, it'd be interesting going and looking back on it now and really, if I was to play it now, I think, it would, I think I'd think i be able to, I'd like to think I'd be able to dissect it a bit more and really get to it a bit more, but I think everything that she said was very in relation to all the men around her. And I didn't, I just, I don't think I could find out really who she was. So actually, I think looking back, I feel like my uh, portrayal was maybe a bit bland and a bit in that realm of just very typical female romantic character that I wouldn't have wanted it to be. But I think it kind of ended up being a bit like that. Um, Yeah. I I found her
0: it's a complex it's a complex play isn't it I mean there's there's all the kind of history of the of the characters the kind of classical history behind it but mm. but but also it's just it's a bit of a, a strange one you know the this kind of um that that man kind of trying to marry you off to some other like it's all yes. very strange isn't it I and think. it was
2: also my first kind of romantic pairing that was significant, you know, the names are in the title. And I think I was very aware of that. And, you know, wanting people to believe it and wanting it to be, yeah, meaningful. And and, and in drama school, I don't think I'd ever, I was never cast as the romantic leader or anything like, really, or, well, they don't really do that in drama school, I guess, in terms, they, they cast you for very specific reasons and what you need to work on, for example, but i just was i hadn't had much experience of that um and i i, I did think i found that quite difficult um, they are to, tricky characters yeah. i think i think yeah. it's a
1: trickier play it's like, i think there's also there's, 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 certainly troll is Cressida, i found it weird it's strangely correlated, is way more straightforward, but i guess um I guess there is something about the, just a little bit trickier. There's less performance history to go back on as well. I think if you were to be cast as Lady Macbeth, you've got umpteen versions to watch if that's mm. your process and you want to sort of, oh, I can see what other people have done. Whereas yeah. it's, just the nature of it being less performed. and I certainly think in in, in rare in, in plays that have been performed f- less frequently, it's always a bit trickier because you've mm. just got less. There's less written yeah. about them, or yeah. you know, it just feels a little bit less, bit further away. But interestingly enough, you say about uh, not really remembering much of it. Actually, I sort of don't really, and I wonder whether just our brains don't didn't have the space to remember. It this was a sir, bit yeah. crazy, and yeah. I would never ever do it again. Not because it was terrible, because mm. never get you know. I think there's something appreciating when you get a bit older that you do need a bit of space around the work, uh, yeah. things for it to settle, things for it to digest.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that I think that might have been a little bit of the, and I think that was it was on me as well in terms of what I might have done outside of the room. But yeah, in terms of real, really getting to kind of grips with the character, it might have just, I guess, everyone was just spread that little bit thinner. That's what happens. That was just the nature of it. Um, and yeah. then,
0: and then sometimes in a rehearsal process, things you know, in terms of where it it's set or how how you're you know telling the story. Don't necessarily work. So then, then massive changes happen as well. Do you remember? Do you remember a massive change which was impressive?
2: Yes, I remember. I think we had it was was it like office based kind of for the first. We had all this kind of structures and we were really delving into that world. And then I remember I think we went away for lunch, (laughs) and I think we sensed there was in the morning we were like, oh god, there's a there's definitely a vibe in this room that we're (laughs) we are not uh, hitting the mark. And I think we came back after lunch and there was just nothing said as such when we were all come into the room. But there was like just this long, like trestle table with that was like a, kind of like a party table. And it was like, right, this is the party table, or whatever. Or it's like, and th- so the whole dynamic was changed. Yeah. But I got it. It was literally just pulling up from the root. It was like, this isn't working. This isn't working. Um, so it was just completely changed. And that definitely, I do remember that, I think just injected something i think suddenly everyone felt like i think there was still from because i don't speak for myself but there was still from me like uh, i still found the play difficult mm-hmm. it didn't suddenly unlock all this meaning but i think it just gave everyone this energy and i think mm-hmm. it gave um and i i i think everyone enjoyed doing that i think yeah the kind of party atmosphere it was that was fun and i think sometimes that's just kind of what you you need to inject that to get you through you know and Coriolanus was and and also that worked very visually like this the difference between Charles and Cresta and Coriolanus in that one evening was huge Mm. I think that's probably strengthened that divide or strengthened our mentalities around the two going from one into the other It, it became clear about how we were sat in them and yeah. Well, the,
0: the plays started so differently as well. I mean, yes, they had massively different aesthetics, but you st- you started with a conga yeah. uh, for Trollis and Cressida, and then you started with this very stoic standoff for uh, Coriolanus. Yes. And yeah, yeah, that really gets you... With, oh, oh, wow. I, wa- I wonder whether that really gets you in the mood or gets you ready oh, for the... Oh, definitely. Yeah.
2: I think that kind of thing, I think, is nice as an actor when it's a clear oh you're you're in a party and you're all coming in this conga And there's nothing you don't have to um like make that an intellectual exercise that's just do that just do mm-hmm. it and give it the energy of that and sometimes that is a good way of accessing something or a good way of just um yeah unlocking things
1: And that's really the setting thing is, not it? you know, there's there's a a moment where you go, well, actually, this setting just isn't helping the play. It isn't helping the actors to change it. Yeah. Uh, And uh, maybe if we were only doing Troilus Chris on its own, maybe that other former concept of it being in a sort of bunker thing might have worked. Uh, Who knows? But Mm -hmm. I think at the same time, it, it's quite clear in a rehearsal room you go this isn't working so what do you do and yeah. and and if it's th- if you have to throw the whole thing out and start again then um I mean yeah. it's not ideal listeners to do that in the last week of rehearsal <laughs> <laughs> um it's not ideal <laughs> but actually do you know what I think I'm less brave than you know thinking about doing that now would terrify me and maybe I just persevere but actually I'm so glad that we did that because um otherwise the previews would have been awful the Mm. tech would have been awful. it would have just been horrendous so there does have to come a point where you go actually this isn't this isn't helping anybody Mm. um but yeah i mean crazy and it all just came out of an idea of the Trojans seems to, for listeners who didn't see the show, the, the, the edit of it was that really all the Greeks had been cut. It was the threat of the Greeks that oh, was yeah. the problem. And, and so, so it gave the the idea was, I don't know whether it worked or not, but the idea is that um the audience, the Greeks almost were almost like a myth to the audience. And we only saw the Trojans who were blissfully having this almost children's party, blissfully unaware that the Greeks are gonna come in and invade and destroy them. So it was it was quite yeah. a bit of a take on it. Um certainly an edit <laughs> mm. uh, one way to get it actually, down to an hour absolutely <laughs> um but of course there was a sense of also a br- wonderful catharsic tragic moment at the end when actually we've been enjoying these trojans and enjoying what they've been doing and then actually it all comes crashing down around them. yes mm. um yeah. which was kind of dare i say profound all around a party ring and a big bowl of punch um Oh, yeah. But but it seemed to be, and then I, I think that the plays started to speak to each other a little bit better as well. In yeah. a way that um, you had the age of innocence with Droyls and Cressida, and then the age of experience with Coriolanus, the sort of the, the elder, bigger brother version. Yes, um, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: But okay. yes, it's it's terrifying. You sort of go, how is the cast going to take this complete <laughs> concept change? But absolutely yeah, hats off to everyone, really. Even if people at the back of the head were going, oh my God, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> just go, right, we're gonna to have to change this. Mm-hmm. Um and do you know what the thing that really makes me excited about that is about your 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 comrades. You know, I remember that was a lunchtime the designer Rachel came in and we just sat next to each other and she's how's it going? I said it's just not working, really. And just springboarding off that, then sharing that with you as a cast after lunch. And it was literally a lunchtime conversation that the whole thing flipped, uh felt mm. way more exciting, clean, dynamic, fresh, dare I say contemporary.
2: Mm. It just
1: felt way more, um, way more successful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And
0: led to an amazing photo of of Colette in the calendar, that lovely pink uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's
2: quite a nice one, isn't it?
0: So then we moved on to something completely different, with uh, Henry V at the Union Theatre. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: so that I mean, we went into rehearsals for Henry V not too long after Troilus and Cresta and Coriolanus, mm. um, but that then that was the ill fated yes. um, production, and then and then we came back to it in 2015. Mm. Do you remember much about either of those processes?
2: Um, it's funny. I feel like the first go round. Um, was when I think about it now there was something I don't know if we were in age but it felt younger it felt mm. um a bit more yeah I not that none, and this isn't a reflection of the cast as such everyone was very up for it and very and I remember it being a fun cast first time round. I think just the second it, there was something just a bit more grounded and a bit more um there just was a sense I can't even really explain it it felt more and maybe that was the time as well for like me it was a bit of a distance between something like Charles and Cressida or I think I had just that time was good for me definitely um yeah I mean that was Henry was because that feels like a world away actually it's strange that you're saying actually it's quite close in time to Charles mm. and Cressida because that feels very different for me I would have said about a three-year gap, but no. Um and I think that was, I mean, that was amazing playing Henry the That's um I don't think I fully appreciated it actually at the time, what how cool that is. Um but obviously with that becomes you know, your name the name is right there, Henry the Fifth. And the expectation of that is um huge. But you, Um, you as
0: an actor, you still just have, you have to just do what you have to do, right?
2: Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I think leading up to doing it, that's more in your head. And then obviously Mm. in the rehearsal room, that just becomes, um, you know, less of that. It's more about just the content and doing the work and turning up every day. And it wasn't, it was very ensemble. It wasn't, there wasn't this kind of, everyone's there all the time, you know. doing it all together and exploring all together there wasn't that kind of division
0: um, Is that something you find with other other theatre work because very specifically Lazarus works all together all the time so rehearsals uh, you know the whole company is there and and the reason well one of the many reasons that is is so that everyone knows even if you're not well first of all you're on stage all the time so you are in that scene even if you're not in that scene so you need to know yeah. what's happening but do you find that um different to other other processes
2: there's definitely more of a um you I think you have a bigger and stronger fuller sense of the play as a whole um there's definitely that kind of switch on switch off I think with other work where you're you're very just more pointed towards um the scenes that you're in in a similar way to like how an actor often highlights their lines in a script it's that sense of Oh, this is, this is me now. It's about me. And this is my bits. There's something that comes from all kind of being in it together. And especially something like Henry, there was all that thing of, you know, that idea of being in the trenches together. I think that process really works for something like that. And especially probably um, my approach or end result of Henry in that. There wasn't the, the. I think the the sense of hierarchy was smaller, or not that it wasn't still kingly or whatever. It just was, I think, more a bit more grounded and a bit more um, earthy. Or yeah. Um,
0: I think it helps that you were also in the Union Theatre, which is an undergr- yeah. underground um, oh, archway yeah. of a of a of a yeah, line.
2: Yeah, and we we're all in the same costumes. We right. all the same exactly the same costumes. There was no division of that uh, um and i think that really lent itself and we were on stage the whole time is that mm. correct
1: yeah mm. your performance collect was so accomplished it was quite remarkable actually watching it uh each performance there was a real sense of i think um of she was one of the men which was or one of the group that i think terry paddock called it the band of bitches which is mm. <laughs> interesting <laughs> <laughs> sort of quite liked about telling kick-ass band of bitches if i remember yeah, right yeah. It was, there, there was a wonderful sense of uh she's one of them and then also this, i remember the scene where she overhears the soldiers kind of tell her that she's not very good and mm. the king shouldn't do this actually sort of been quite moving in some ways because it, it was like your henry understood the sacrifices yes. people were made and so those big speeches about christmas weren't pieces of just propaganda there was a sense of I understand what people are sacrificing to do this. So when you read the names out of the people who the English have survived, there was a kind of gasp of relief and a kind of shock. How have we? Mm. This has been a miracle, and it's huge relief. And you thought, God, the amount of pressure that's been put on this young female leader is immense. Yeah, and I I don't think I've ever seen that when it's played by a a man.
2: Well, this well, not in that extent. No, yeah, I think I think you're just putting it through a slightly different prism, putting it through that the having it as a woman I think it just makes you it forces you to look at it in a different way and therefore I think some of those themes just illuminated that bit more and I wasn't you know I was the time was I I don't know 25 you know it, there isn't there wasn't that um sense of I think there was that but there's, there was that definitely kind of vulnerability that which is probably coming from me as an individual and an actor as well um that felt like, uh, a, you know, it felt like a big, it was a big step up for me. I think, um, um, and also, you know, like I, when I was, I remember being a kid and thinking, I remember it was playing the shepherd, and I think I was in year five, so I was about nine or whatever. And I remember thinking, this is the part they normally give to boys, so therefore, mm-hmm. it's a better part. I remember <laughs> having that knowledge, um, and uh. So I think it felt like a real treat to be able to, ha- you know, be in a Shakespeare play and you've got to kind of do all that stuff of, you know, just be strong and, and physical and, and running and or even just things like that. It's, it's like comparing it to Cressida. It still has that sense of she's, she's um, mourning or she's, she's, Fragile, or she's, or whatever these are attributes you give to the male versus female. I think it's, yeah, I think it, it's never more um, when it comes to um, the shapes of the gender of the different. You just really feels so different. Seeing the language on the page, of this is what I get to say, is very different to when you see what you get to say as a female character. They're just, they're just. You can feel the difference. Um, Do you think there's also a bit more um,
1: baggage that comes with certain characters? So just thinking Jessica, you know, uh, as you say, a, a slightly smaller role, or a minor role. Uh, Troyes and Cressida, no one's really heard of. And if they have, probably not good things. So stay away from it. Um, <laughs> and then, but actually there's something about Henry V I found, certainly with audience reactions. there It was one of the first big Shakespeare's that we did that I was really aware of. How much baggage audiences bring with it? Of this is who Henry has to be, and I always, I always remember sort of just thinking, listening to a, overhearing an audience after a preview, just thinking, what a load of old bullshit! This group of female audience members saying, you know, but she, she's got oh, to be more yeah. of a man, she's got to oh, be more yeah. of a man, and it was so interesting how I kind of got, wow, you, mm. how much audiences bring with them? A deci- they've already decided who Henry is, yeah. and therefore, if you don't do that, then it's wrong rather than mm. oh my god there's a whole different way of doing it mm. and i really felt that production really divided people in that respect there were so many yeah. people fully enough old people old fuddy duddies who i was expecting mm. to go oh but that's not henry the fifth absolutely bloody loved it because yeah. went wow there's something else i was yeah. really surprised how many young people were like but that's not henry the fifth henry the fifth is xyz
2: yeah i think that that is interesting yeah especially yeah i remember that 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 um that group of women that were That that was interesting because we spoke about that a lot about that afterwards. And also it's funny because I wasn't playing it as a man or I wasn't playing it as a woman. I was playing it as a... I don't have this like gendered thought process in anything that I do as a character. It's not gendered really. You don't think about it necessarily in relation to your gender. You just do it. Um, But obviously with Shakespeare is that there is more pointers as to this is a female character and this is a male character and how they then speak and act and all those things and how people act towards them. Um, so it was, it was strange hearing someone, I think that reaction of, she needs to be more of a man. And I think that's that kind of, that feminism thing of, that's the way, it, which is obstructive, which is you need to act more like a man in order to to gain that equality or to gain that access or purchase in that industry or whatever it is. Mm. Um, and that always is very problematic, really, because it's not, it's actually meaningless. Um, I think the big the big
1: observation for me afterwards is that I remember saying to you actually sometime later, actually the idea is a bit flawed. Not that it's not worth doing or not that it was brilliant, but it's a bit flawed in a way because actually the play on some levels doesn't really stack up when it's done with some sort of reflection. Actually, okay. its it's funny how when you go and see a mainstream inverted commas production of it, actually it's a lot of men running around shouting with bombs going off. Yeah. And actually one thing that I was always starkly re- relieved actually, and it was a bit of a, a, it was fantastic in rehearsal, was when you put it into a, a group of um, females voices, the text stops being about people just shouting at mm. each other. And it starts to be about people talking about what they're going to do. Yeah. And so actually when I say it was flawed in a way as an idea, is actually you sort of go, the play is a bit, I don't think our production necessarily, but I've seen some very big famous productions. I think it's just a bit boring if they mm. don't shout at each other. <laughs> you know? right. like, yeah,
2: yeah, Whereas
1: actually, I think what we'd, we'd sort of done is quite a reflective version, which just meant yeah. everything had more consequence. Yeah. But actually as a play, without the boom booms and the shouting, and the screaming and stuff, you sort of think, mm. well, not much happens, even though actually quite a lot of it is. So I, I think what it... Accomplished performance you gave, and what a, a fascinating insight! But it sort of revealed, real, revealed maybe to me that the play in places isn't a very good play, actually.
2: Yeah, maybe <laughs> you know? no, she yeah. some great
1: speeches, but controversially, yes. yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, maybe it doesn't stack up entirely as a play without the shouting yeah. and guns. Um, no, I, I don't know. Maybe it's that. maybe it's
2: different now. but Yeah, no, I definitely. I mean, I think, I think what kind of saw us through that a lot as well, or what I think the having the all female cast is that that kind of carried you along the finish line because that in itself was exciting. So I think, um, any, any kind of discrepancies with that or, or being like, Oh, actually it's not that great was just kind of swallowed in the, the fun of it all. And I think as a group, we had such a good time. It was a very supportive group and a, and a really nice group. And, and also I, I did enjoy that, um, it's funny, actually, Kit Harrington has just been announced as, mm, as Henry. A dumb yeah. And I think I saw a thing of him saying, saying um, which is very kind of typical casting, isn't it? Um, and uh, I saw a thing of him saying something something along the lines of it being kind of a boyhood dream role. And I remember we spoke a lot about that at the time, this idea of kind of um, men approaching it because they love that kind of um it's the fantasy of being on a battlefield and being strong and engaging in combat and and actually because that isn't our angle that's not the typical not you know having a female play that you're then able to find something a bit different whatever that difference is it's something different and and I also quite enjoyed you know all my male friends that would come and I think in their heads a lot of actors and I think they'd be a bit like oh that's annoying that she got to do that part and I didn't because I think it is it's one of those parts that's you know yeah that people met young men are like oh I'd love that's one of the ones I want to play that one um and that yeah I was very smug about that I think <laughs> yeah.
0: We literally had an actor last week say, um, get back to us after not having contact with him for a couple of years, going, Are you doing Henry V yet? Mm-hmm. Like, he definitely, you know, that's what he wants to do and that's his dream role, like yeah. you say. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I just, I think, I do think it's important to put it through a different, um, you know, lens because it is just kind of the same thing. I was quite disappointed when I saw Kit Harrington was playing it because I was like, Oh, okay, I know what, I, I you know, I kind of know what we're probably going to get it's not it's not going to make anyone particularly think anything different so i think it's important um that we uh you know challenge that status quo. yeah
0: it is often a star vehicle as a play isn't it you know you get your jude laws and yeah yeah you get
2: it but then it's it's not even about necessarily casting a a woman or, or something really drastically different but yeah i think it's not it's it's yeah, it's not it's not in my opinion a particularly interesting casting. Um, mm. yeah, that's what I'll say.
0: <laughs> so we you then had a couple of years off from uh, Lazarus. Mm. Um needed a break, Four shows in four three years. And then you came back to play Grusha in Caucasian Chalk Circle at the Greenwich Theatre. So a bit of a bit of a departure both for the company and and for your work with the company. Yes. Um do you remember much of Chalk Circle?
2: Yeah, it felt it felt very different from the previous things I'd done. I think mainly because we were in such a massive um theatre um at the Greenwich Theatre and it was also a week run wasn't it? It so, was, yeah. Yeah. Um and it felt yeah and also it was you guys had done the pre- the production previously hadn't you with a different mm-hmm. cast. Um And so I'd seen it. I'd seen it previously at the Broccoli Jack. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it was, it's a bit of a different um, coming into that when you've seen the person playing it before and you've seen all that. It exists in your mind somewhere. Um, And it was the same play in the sense of you know, it worked very well—the visuals, the music, the concepts. Um, it that stayed. Obviously, evolved and it changed, but it wasn't starting from scratch again. Um, so that was a different. But I, I loved Grusha. I really enjoyed playing um, Grusha. I think she's—it's the kind of character I'm always kind of attracted to. I think um, that the the vulnerability and um so I didn't I didn't have to fi- I didn't find her challenging particularly it's obviously a challenging piece but I uh felt that I found where I wanted to sit with that quite quite relatively um easily I think then it was just um there were, it was a, it was a very physical play and there was lots of elements to it and there was music and there was so there was bits that I you know I hadn't done before we'd never done correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think we'd done those kind of slightly more set pieces of music. Um, so that was, you know, um, a challenge, but I think as well, the scope of it, because it was a bigger a bigger stage and a bigger audience, um, that was very fun. The feeling of it just being bigger and it, it matched, it really matched, I think in my mind, the play and the journey of Grusha and the expansiveness of it and her journey um going back to the you yeah. said earlier Colette
1: about maybe feeling a bit more comfortable in naturalism mm. um it's really I always find because whenever I hear the word naturalism like something shakes in my body like oh no <laughs> <laughs> And actor goes, well, I think I might just have a look at this naturalistic guy oh please don't okay <laughs> but what the one thing I would say about that though is it's, it, it, it you don't you don't strike me actually in, in rehearsal as naturalistic but you do mm. strike me as quite clean quite to the point quite not without detail uh, Mm, certainly mm. not without detail but there's a sort of clarity to it which I love what you bring to Shakespeare but I think the thing looking back I'm I'm sure the thing that was kind of revelatory about that for me was that you didn't have to push or shove through the Shakespeare text oh yeah actually Rex just saying it shall I take the kid or not and, and I, I yeah. found your performance in that quite revelatory, really. God, it sounds like this is your life, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not at all. But it, you just made me realize, of course, that's, the, that's yeah. maybe my understanding of your naturalism is yes, there's a kind of clarity, works. simplicity, earthiness, straightforwardness. There's no floweriness, there's no mm. unnecessary. It's all meat, there's no fat. Yeah. And so I wondered whether when you came to do chalk then, actually, that's what Breck does. There's no fat on that script. It's all absolutely essential and only the essentials. Anything else you do around it. I, I don't really remember, you know, as an actor doing Breck, sometimes you could end up going, oh, I've got to put lots of stuff onto this mm. because there's only a skeleton but actually I don't think he likes that very much and you've got to get rid of it. But you had, a—I I totally agree with you. I don't remember in rehearsal was ever struggling. Like I yeah. remember you go, right, this is the bit I have to cross the bridge, yeah. right? And you go, Yeah. Off you go. Right. Come on then.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And actually it's interesting to say that. Cause I do think that is, I've always, I have always struggled a bit with Shakespeare because it feels like a barrier um, to me. Um, and it's all I've always found it slightly frustrating that you have to access the meat what are they trying to say, and some of it you could spend ages and and they still come up with multiple answers to what they are trying to say and I think as well you know through the process of school and things like that, this idea of following to the the iambic and the 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 um you know the scansion of it i I think I've always found that quite restrictive. So I think a lot of people probably would what have that have seen or at the time saw my Shakespeare performances pro or that were more purist or loved Shakespeare or probably were like, What is she doing with that text? I'm sure they were because my I just I I think I always um I don't think that was at the forefront of my mind, which I'm sorry if that offends anyone, but um, <laughs> well, it's also I, I, not
0: not at the forefront of of your director's mind. The the, the Lazarus yes. process, the text process, yeah. doesn't focus on the scansion or the yeah. or the or the meter. Yes. So I think I think maybe there's a good partnership there.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I hmm. think I'd always so yeah. So it never seemed a problem in our relationship. It never seemed a problem. I was never called up about oh, you're really you know butchering that in terms of the meaning. I think I just found my own way through it and it worked Uh, or we got to a place where it worked um to some degree um but yeah I thought I think with Grusha, it just it felt it did there was an ease definitely and um yeah and you know I think
1: would you do another Shakespeare then Colette or do you think you've kind of gone actually it's just a bit too much of a faff
2: (laughs) yeah I think I think maybe you know um yeah no I would of course I, I would um it just yeah I just I do I do find it harder I do find it harder and I don't you know there's some people that we've worked with over the years that are that love Shakespeare that absolutely and it's not that I don't love Shakespeare but I don't love it when it's put maybe through that lens of um that academic approach, but I think that previously to doing Lazarus, that was all I knew it from was through a bit more of a rigorous study of um, the technical aspects of his writing. And I just was a found that, um, yeah, it, hind, it seemed to hinder me. Um, so it, no, I definitely would, because I think, but I think it would have to be, un, it'd have to be an interesting, um, you know, but, uh, production and and some and like the Henry kind of thing where you know it's different and it feels different and there's something interesting about it, uh, which I I think obviously now compared to when I was at school and you'd watch videos of Shakespeare and they're all speaking a very certain way and the women it was all very a very different style performance. I think that's just what you have in your head. It's so. It, you know, that's the trouble, I guess, with Shakespeare a little bit is you come to the table with so much stuff around it or what you think it's supposed to be, what you think it's supposed to sound like, what people have told you it's supposed to sound like. So with Caucasian Chalk Circle, for example, you're not coming to the table with, with all these preconceived um, things of what it should be like or what someone's going to call you out on. Um, well, if
1: anything, I think that has come to a Breck process. If they had to do Breck Today level, they come with a Oh, we're just going to be shouting quite a lot. And there's going to be yeah. lots yes, so of placards. of exactly. You know, when you, we turn up with Chalk Circle and go, actually, I always remember that. Do you remember, there was a conversation with Stuart Glover, the lighting designer. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, mate, no, don't do Breck, mate. It's all yeah. placards and shouting and grey. And I said, well, what if we do it then? There's no placards. No one gets yeah. to shout. Yeah. And it's full of colour.
2: Mm-hmm. And I went,
1: mean, OK, mate.
2: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs>
1: and that's it, it reminds me a little bit of the the story we talked talked about earlier about you know talking to rachel dingle and go let's just we have to change this concept and actually mm. when you have creative, when you have actors performers collaborators uh the creative team who are up for that exploration then yes. you go yeah now we're cooking with gas
2: Yeah. it's
1: you know now we can do something with this thing which is which is exciting yeah. Uh, another Shakespeare, what? So you're thinking, uh, this is just going into casting now. Mm. Right. So we're just finding a project for Colette to do. It, it just thinking, um, you know, it, an interesting concept. Yeah. Mm. I, it, it, were there any particular roles that you've always thought
2: you'd like to have? I mean, I think I've always, well, yeah, I think I've always, um, um, I mean, I think every female's probably always wants to do Lady Macbeth. I think that's all, but, you know, um, But then, I don't actually. Well, now would I? I don't know. I think it's been. It's hard to find something. I think that that's a lot. I think if you were to approach that, the, you know, the amount of um, baggage you'd come with that and wanting to make that an amazing performance would be very hard. Um, What else? I don't know. Really,
1: definitely don't rule out Lady M. I think you'd be. No, yeah,
2: I do think that's probably quite a. um, It's probably quite more of an obvious. choice but yeah I think I would definitely wouldn't um wouldn't yeah I wouldn't say no to that
1: I could imagine you bringing the daggers back covered in blood
2: (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah
0: yeah um well we're coming to the end Colette we're nearly at the end I've just got a few more questions for you
1: yeah
0: um so uh before before we started recording you said that you're doing some voiceover work how's that going what 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 are you doing yeah
2: no so um Mainly commercials um done a couple of in the past couple of years a couple of like more radio stuff um but yeah, it was mainly kind of um just kind of happened really prior to it was lucky timing it was prior to um lockdown and the pandemic and um and then I just managed to get set up with a little bit of a home kind of studio recording equipment um and yeah it's been it's been i've been very lucky because it's kind of kept me going throughout financially and otherwise throughout the whole past couple of years really um it's not massively creatively fulfilling um but you know it's,
0: what is the process like what what i mean how does it differ from stage work
2: um well i mean there's doing it at home with your own equipment you've got to become a bit of a sound engineer, but you actually don't know what you're doing, so you right. just that's you know as an actor you don't want to have to use that you don't want to have to um deal with that stuff that feels very like why am I having to do this um obviously that was a necessary um part of it being at home um well, colette,
1: that's that's something Gavin on, I say all the time. as a zoo 2 people are in there coming up, why am I having to do this? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no one else to do it is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't do it, it won't get done. It won't get
2: done. Yeah. 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 So but I do um yeah, I like doing um voice work as fun. I did one in a studio before um, you know, with a group of actors, and that was quite ensemble because you're all kind of stood around the same mic. Um you know chipping in and out it was quite it was it wasn't as um I think sometimes there's a bit of a sense of it being a bit stale a voiceover work in that you're just in your own little booth and you're just saying your own little bit and there's not much relation to other actors but that was um, one that was um you were like a little yeah ensemble all around the mic and and relating to each other and speaking at the same time there and then um yeah yeah so I do enjoy it um and like i said it's it's been a a great thing to have during the pandemic good yeah
0: good long may it continue
2: yes fingers crossed we'll see
0: right colette are you ready for the 60 second challenge
2: yes please yeah Yeah.
0: so um (laughs) (laughs) we're, we're as we said at the start of the start of the episode um this is the first episode of first newly recorded episode of season two, so we've wiped the leaderboard. Okay. Uh, that was that was last year. That was last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so you whatever you do, you're going to be at the top of the leaderboard. Um, so again, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> long may you reign. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> um, so in case you did uh, you didn't know how it works, the rules are simple, Colette. I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions Uh, if you can answer them as fast as you can uh, and we'll see how many you can answer in 60 seconds you can pass but they won't add to your final score so a passing won't mean you get an extra point Uh, we'll add your score up at the end uh, and we'll add you to the leaderboard and as we already said whatever you do you're going to be at the top yeah (laughs) I've got um my trusty uh helper here Ricky Jukes. Uh he's gonna he's gonna keep an eye on the clock <laughs> and um, he's going to well, you were telling
1: the listeners something about your new domestic relation <laughs> I've got a little helper here everyone <laughs> um, uh,
0: that's for a visual podcast and we'll do that next time um, so Ricky's gonna keep an eye on the clock and he will let us know when we reach the 60 second mark by doing this Oh, and Ricky, can you? Oh, Colette, can you describe what Ricky just did there?
1: Yeah, oh, oh, Colette, you should have come on to our R and D about access because this is audio description now. Have you done any audio description? No, audio I haven't. That. I Ooh. actually no, I
2: haven't. I did see that you're doing that. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, Ricky was.
1: Um... <laughs> oh, now people are going to be going. What on earth is he doing? Hashtag.
2: <laughs> 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 Ricky was. Um... Uh pulling in and out a what is it called a tape measure? Oh a tape measure what's that word when you when you a word for that with, with that particular item? No, I think what so this so what avid did, listeners. Yeah. Well Sorry, avid listeners were
1: um yeah, it was beautiful. It was yeah, uh, it was, yeah. <laughs> <avid> <laughs> listeners will know we often use the air horn of dreams, but because Lazarus HQ at the moment is undergoing this extensive renovation. They're basically painting everything magnolia. Magnolia. Um, all the air horns are packed away. So I, of course I've got a trusty tape measure of dreams on my desk all the time, don't ask why. Um, set models, that's why. Um, so I, all I'm doing really is pulling the, the tape out of the machine and letting go. Yes, yeah,
2: there you go. Yeah. So that's it good. not only
1: measures distance, it's also today going to measure time.
2: Beautiful.
1: Well witty, Ricky, well witty. I'd like to think it's profound
2: but
0: let's go with that we'll see. <laughs> Okay Colette do, Are you ready? Yes Ricky Are you ready? Oh yes Here we go 60 k- seconds on the clock Colette Sweet or savoury? Sweet What's the first theatre you saw? Uh,
2: uh, Bradford, uh Pantomime
0: What was your favourite subject at school?
2: Uh, English
0: What's your favourite word?
2: Uh, hello. <laughs>
0: Tea or coffee? <laughs> coffee. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with your extra time?
2: Um, read.
0: What are you most afraid of?
2: Oh, death.
0: What's your first job?
2: Uh, work in a chocolate shop. Uh,
0: if past lives were real, were real, what were yours?
2: I was like an Irish peasant, wasn't it?
0: Uh, cake or biscuit?
2: Uh, cake. Okay.
0: What job would you be terrible at?
2: Um, An accountant.
0: What are you currently reading?
2: Um, um, A graphic novel about uh, uh, time travel. Uh (laughs) Uh,
0: What's the one thing about you that surprises people?
2: Um, That I like children.
0: (laughs) Right. I asked that question in time. Thank you very much, Ricky. We heard that. Um, So that does count. (laughs) That counts. Yeah, that counts. So, Colette, how many do you think you got? What was your Uh, feeling on that?
2: Yeah, I was a bit slurfed, Mark, there. I'd say maybe about seven.
0: Okay. Well, I can say that you got 13. You answered 13. So, that's a good score. Good score for the leader. Well done. Well done.
1: That's the one to beat everybody coming on the show this season.
0: Yes, keep good. keep an eye out um we'll uh we'll let i you know enjoyed the go. fact
2: that my i've learned about myself today that my favorite word is hello <laughs> hello well at least it's not <laughs> goodbye <that>. hello <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: i'll remember to say that every time i see you colette yeah oh
2: god <laughs>
0: well a huge thank you to colette for joining us today it's been fantastic yeah, to talk to for you having
2: me guys
0: very very happy to have you uh tell our listeners how they can find you on social media
2: Uh, it's just at colette o'rourke on instagram and twitter
0: great colette with one l is that correct
2: one l two t's yeah oh yeah
0: nice nice okay well thank you very much colette it's been great to see you you today great to hear from you as well and listeners thank you for tuning in we will be back in two weeks time with another spotlight on podcast until then, find out how you can get creative and get involved with our work by checking out our Facebook page, Twitter profile at Lazarus Theatre and bits and bobs on our Instagram at Lazarus Theatre. All the details can be found on our website, www.lazarustheatrecompany.co.uk. That's a new website, isn't it, Ricky? Ooh. I've been Gavin Harrington. Sorry, Herring- that was the
1: spooky <laughs> Halloween noise. Let me do that again. <laughs>
0: Ooh. <laughs> I've been Gavin Harrington-Edidra.
1: And I've been Ricky Dukes.
0: Until next time, stay safe and stay well. Bye-bye. Lazarus Theatre Company is a not-for-profit organisation that relies on the generous support of our friends, angels and principal supporters. If you wish to support this podcast or any of the work Lazarus Theatre Company is doing, you can visit the Lazarus Supporters page on our website, lazarustheatrecompany.co.uk or you can send any amount to paypal.me forward slash Lazarus Theatre. Your support is vital to help secure our future in the coming year. Each and every penny will make a difference. You have been listening to the Spotlight Island podcast hosted by Ricky Jukes and Gavin Harrington Odebra, produced by Lazarus Theatre Company. The music you have been listening to is composed by Bobby Locke and is from our 2016-2017 production of the Caucasian Chalk Circle by Bert hall uh ricky do you have a question for colette
1: what's your favorite color and why
2: oh do you know what recently my favorite color is definitely orange oh yeah it never used to be i didn't think i don't think i'd ever thought of orange but i really like orange
1: it's funny you say that you know because you sort of we've got this ever constant conversation about the logo the the co company's logo Mm. and um It was interesting. Occasionally, I just sort of Google theatre's logos. You just put into Google theatre logos. And actually, I was surprised how many are deep red or orange. And you think red and orange are sort of uh, warnings. But actually, apparently, psychologically, orange has a retro comfortable. This apparently, this is one expert told me that it has a sort of almost retro comforting feel about it. That's
2: interesting.
1: And I thought, oh yeah, so actually there is one version yeah. logo that's orange. There's something. There is something warming, maybe about
2: it. I do think maybe there's been a lot of orange around recently because there's a lot of kind of retro. There's a kind of. Do you know what I mean? I mm. think it's quite a modern color at the moment, but because of because it's quite. Um,
0: it wasn't until yeah, the nineteenth century that we even had a word for orange. No way. It was. It, it was. It was a red yellow. Um, oh, right. So it is, it is. a really. I mean, as a as a term, as a concept, it's really. Cooks, new because
2: it came from the fruit. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Mm, that makes and it sense. is quite warm, isn't it? There is something like, <laughs> particularly at the t- at, in the times we're living, there's kind of something maybe comforting about a warm colour. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He says, "As I'm having my house painted white." <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know? But there is there's something about the there is something warming about it, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Orange.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Orange. Mm.